Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Patrick. What the hell? I was so I was hoping that, that you I would threw, say that. I threw Chuck for a loop there. <laughs> yeah, don't die, man. Don't stop die, dying. Patrick. There's so many there's so much infection up there. Don't die. So let's explain. Chuck Chuck is wrapped up in some some business stuff, and uh, we have Patrick uh, from the Don't Die Wisconsin, Patrick O'Neill, on our line here. And uh, welcome, Patrick. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm excited to be here. It was it's uh, it's pretty cool. I'm just happy to see you guys. It's been a while since we got in the chat, yeah. so. It's pretty. So uh, what's, pretty, pretty what's the thing? You you were on with Mike before, and he said we weren't going to talk politics. Are you kidding me? Oh <laughs> uh, no no no! no. I, I just <sighs> I said we try and steer a little bit away from it sometimes, but hell, who knows? See, I don't think it's yeah. even politics anymore. I think it's sociology. I think it's who we think we are. Like you're right. I'll give you an example right. of like. There's, I've been dealing with a lot of stuff in, in work, right? And people will always say it's not about money, but it mm. actually is about money. But they love saying it's not about money. Well, I don't do this because of money. Or it's, I'm, I'm not, it's not because of money. Yeah, it is. You're fucking sitting in this meeting because it's about money. You're getting paid. If you weren't getting paid, you wouldn't work here. It is about money. And with, with Trump, it's not about politics. It's about how we feel about ourselves right i think it's about more than politics at this point we i mean here in wisconsin we've got we had trump here two days ago we had pence here today i think trump's coming back tomorrow biden's here in before the end of the week we're like a swing state i guess so we're getting a lot of attention but what's funny is, is you come from a political family. I come from a political family. In all your life, when you were a kid, Patrick, did you ever see somebody close a 17-point margin in three days? Never. I have not. No, not with no. polling way off. And the other guy could be caught with a farm animal. He'll still, he'll still squeak over the finish line. <laughs> the only, but bob bob you know the numbers better than i do i mean what was the numbers like four years ago didn't this come out like of nowhere six. it was like six oh it was six okay. or eight at some at some at eight some at six i mean 17 is just an unbelievable and i because i have polling friends right so there's this interesting interesting correlation between trump's favorables on coronavirus and his actual polling numbers they're almost identical so if people like people in wisconsin or in michigan think he's doing an all right job he's like got a 42 percent approval rating at handling coronavirus right he's he's running at 44 percent. so basically right in that margin of error in pennsylvania they don't think he's doing as good a job with coronavirus he's at 39 percent in approval of his handling of coronavirus guess what he's running at 40 Hmm. And I so and Wisconsin must be even higher because there's way more intelligent people in Wisconsin, as we know, like you and Kevin. I think, I, I think there's like 
I think there's like 14 of us. Um, but well, yesterday, no, there's a lot. There's, there's Matt. The rest are ice Giannis, fishing, right? Giannis yeah. lives there, doesn't he? Giannis is there. He's smart. Yeah, not right now, though. I think he's down in Florida or whatever. But like yesterday, we had 5,262 positive COVID in one day That's in the crazy. state of Wisconsin. So, and 60, so this is 64 it. people died. This is the crazy thing that really? went on in the beginning. So, so at a certain point, all the in 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 March and into April, the death rate from coronavirus wasn't as high as the death rate from overdose death. Right now, what what what's being replaced? Five times the overdose rate, and we know from personal experience how tragic losing two hundred and seventeen people a day to drug overdoses. How about a thousand to this coronavirus? Right. Well, I mean, Wisconsin is tragic. It's. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I mean, I. You know, we had that twenty dollar bet a couple of years ago. Um, it's. It's <laughs> swung the other way. Um, well, it got eclipsed by a new disease. Yeah. Well, I mean. Our overdose deaths in, it went up like, because of coronavirus. I'm saying there's a correlation between being isolated, being at home, being depressed, being suicidal, being anxious, and taking drugs and dying of a drug overdose. So the bet is off, Patrick. <laughs> okay, good, good. Well, you just don't want to pay me the money. <laughs> no, well, I had a $20 bill you wrote on that I can't spend anywhere. I don't know what I'm doing with it. No. So like he wrote on it all over it, so nobody will take it. I I had no cash. My hey, do you know that there are some places now won't take cash, like because of coronavirus. That's fucked up. I'm always a cash guy. I don't even take my wallet with me, Uh, so I was you know stuck. But a lot of times, I since I don't have my wallet, I don't have my credit card, and I went to. Uh, though I didn't have any money, I realized I got to so wherever I was, Jamba Juice or somewhere, and I didn't have any money. And I pulled out, I was looking through my wallet, and I, Patrick gave me this $20 bill that he wrote, Don't Die Wisconsin, all over it on both sides. And so that was the only <laughs> thing in my wallet. And I tried to pay with it, and the, the little kid wouldn't take it. He was like, What is this? And I got this friend of mine in Wisconsin, he's crazy. He wrote on that. It's not my fault. It's still $20. Give me my smoothie. Give me my he, smoothie, you little kid. Yeah, he can, I know he committed a federal offense, but uh, just take the money. <laughs> Get so, this. Uh, so in May of 19, there were 28 overdose deaths in Milwaukee. In May of 2020, there were 61. Oh, shit. Yeah. And that's not all just we're fentanyl get- now, right? It's, it's like these combinations of Xanax and... Yeah, well, what good drug addict doesn't experiment around? I didn't know that you, you could die of Xanax because because uh, I used to take 10 of them at a time. Were they dying from a, a Xanax overdose or the, or the withdrawal? Yeah, this kid, this one kid, one kid that I knew from a couple weeks ago. And I said, what did, in the end, he had died like a month ago. And then I saw an acquaintance of his and I said, so what was it? And he said, it was just Benzo's. He died of a benzo overdose. I had never. I didn't think you could die of a benzo overdose. Yeah, I mean, I know here it's it's wow. it's all just poly substance. I mean, I, I mean, I think I think I'm gonna see what Mike said, but what good drug addict doesn't take everything, right? 
So like when and combine it, yeah, and combine it at the same time. So I sit on a couple overdose fatality reviews for some counties, where we look at like the entire picture of the individual from their high school grades to their social and everything like that. And the the thing that you keep on seeing is, I mean, those toxicology reports come back, and it's it's everything, right? Um, it's so not Xanax, just like opiates, pot, meth, alcohol. They have, meth, they have stimulants. Sometimes, not as often, but since they ran out the outlaws in Wisconsin, you know, we didn't have meth here for a long time because the outlaws ran all the coke and they were based in Wisconsin, so they didn't let any meth in. And then they associated with Harley Davidson motorcycles in some way. I don't know, but I'm also terrified (laughs) of them, so I'm not going to get into any more details. But uh, once they uh, once they recoed the outlaws here and they took out the top management, and then. I mean, you can look at the dates to when meth started breaking off and getting big, bigger in Wisconsin uh, to the date that all those top brass went away. Um, we, didn't have, we didn't have meth labs uh, blowing up in northern Wisconsin due to, like, bad chemistry. We had meth labs blowing up in northern Wisconsin because a bunch of motorcycles showed up and blew it up. So is it a competition? Meth, yeah, meth is, uh, uh, is here. Um, we're still well, they're doing a public service then, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, so they're kind of like uh, watching out for their community. Yeah? Exactly. So what's it like? What's it like? Are there a million people in rehab right now in Wisconsin? Cause there's nothing to do and nowhere to go and no money to make. Uh, I know. So I'm at a, a new job. I'm working at an OTP. So I'm working at a methadone clinic. I opened a new methadone clinic for, an organization in Milwaukee, and um, at one of our locations, we have 927. Oh, my God, in heaven. and yeah, and then um, the new one, we'll, we're we're going to start off probably around like 300. So um, Milwaukee is 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 really having a hard time. Like today, like there's a a guy in our uh, recovery community, just like this big teddy bear, just hilarious. Um, and he was doing really well. And he had a, uh, you know, you get the text that, you know, we'll just call him Tim, right? Tim's yeah. in the hospital and I, in ICU. And that was like two weeks ago. And you guys know how it is. When you get that text, you're like overdose. Well, come to find it was, it, was co- it was a stroke. Uh, he had a stroke. a stroke. He's like, yeah, I mean. I, I don't want to assume anything, but, you know, we don't live the most healthy lifestyles for a long time. So he he had a stroke. He was well, in ICU. And can we just talk about? Can we just talk about? And it used to be that you got sober and you started to. And in, in certain kind of pockets of the United States, you got sober and you started to take care. You know, take better care of yourself and self care. It's called and all that. People aren't doing that either anymore. These people are are like, you know. I watch these kids vape. They just vape these huge things one after another after another, like freezing their lungs in the time that there's a COVID, a COVID thing. So I started to think when you started to hear that 20 and 22 and 24 and 28 year old kids were dying of COVID, I was wondering if there was a correlation, but if those are heavy vapors, who knows? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But so, so Tim, this guy, um, got released from ICU today, uh, was doing physical therapy and he, he had a heart attack and he died like three hours ago. Oh my God. Uh, sad. Yeah. It's super sad. But like, when I look at that, like, 
when I look at like my own recovery, it's like the whole point is like literally die of something else. <laughs> like if I die of something else, I win. Right. And so when it's like, we say like, fuck heroin and, and fuck this disease. Like in this instance, I can say like, fuck heroin, you didn't get them. Right. Um, and I think that's really the only thing that's kind of making it okay right now. I'm super sad that he passed and all that, but like he won. So I don't know. Well, it's, it's about the, well, I, you know, when I thought of don't die, I, the whole thing comes from every in Bob and the monster. I say, well, if it, it, I thought, it wasn't going to turn out all good. It was, you know, and, and it does turn out good if you don't die. And the idea yeah. was if you live long enough to become enlightened, right. To have a new take on life, to have, to have recovery. But, but a lot of times with MAT and with, and with the way that things are going, it's just, survival and there's not gonna there's not a lot of thriving going on and i don't know why that is i i i'm just i'm just mystified by 32 year old people that don't mind living with their parents i just i, I could never live with my parents even when i was eight years old i didn't want to live with them you know what i mean it's like yeah why why do these i couldn't wait to move out i couldn't i'd rather sleep in a laundromat than at my parents house because that was my trick back in the day you know wherever you were patrick there was always a 24-hour laundromat you could go you could watch tv you could sleep on the little plastic chairs it was warm and you might find some new clothes or a blanket or a sheet left in one of the dryers or something. So laundromats were my, my go-to homeless, you know, you know, rambling around kind of move. And, and I t tell kids that, and they just, they're, they just blank over. They're like, what? You could have stayed at your mom's house and you slept in a laundromat? Why would you do that? And, and so there's this disconnect of why you would do that. Well, you do that so you have your own autonomy, so you live your own life, you make your own decisions, you suffer the consequence of your actions, you get rewarded for your actions also if they're positive or productive. That, that there's a whole generation that's just living at home forever. So I don't know if, if you're living at home and you're on Suboxone, is that better than rolling around doing drugs? I guess it is, but to me, it's not. But Bob, it's like it's like you talked about before. It's parenting. I mean, they're more they're more lenient. You know, when in our day, we weren't allowed to do a lot of fucking things at home that we were out on the wherever we were on our own. Now it's like, oh yeah, you can do that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I know I parents that allow their kids to do heroin. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, why wouldn't you stay home? They'll let you do anything. <laughs> I never thought of that. Is that is that is it like that in Wisconsin too, Patrick? The parents allow their kids to do anything they want as long, at home. Like do kids do parents in Wisconsin kick their grown adult ch uh, children? And last time I checked, eighteen years old was the cutoff for adulthood. Not twenty two, not twenty four, not twenty six. Eighteen. So do they allow? Do parents in Wisconsin allow twenty year olds to? Stay at home, play video games, not have a job, smoke weed, have sex in their bedroom. Do they like they do in California? Because in California, that's what we do. 
Exactly. Do they allow that in Wisconsin still too? I mean, so is it that progressive? Are you guys that progressive now? <laughs> we're pretty. If, if that's your, what you're using as a standard of, of being progressive, then yes, we are progressive. I mean, I, I think most of our clients are probably going to be the same, right? I, I know exactly the guys and, and women you're talking about, that kind of failure launch, that millennial, whatever. Um, How about, yeah, let's stop using to failure to launch. My, my ex-sister-in-law is a social worker, and we were talking about it the other day, and she said failure to launch. And I said, they don't even want to launch. It's not like they tried to launch <laughs> and they failed. They don't even want to. <laughs> they, they don't even it doesn't even cross their mind to launch they don't even get to the pad <laughs> to launch right. even, <laughs> but there's hey even, there's no motivation to launch so you, they're not failure to launch they just never launched it never dawned on them to launch true but i i also see like currently in 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 my area there's a lot of uh, organization of individuals uh, wanting change, right? And I saw them walk by my house and I mean, they are mostly what we would call younger, right? So I think if I'm going to attack about not getting, you know, get, leaving their parents' house, there are a lot of younger people that are doing pretty amazing things and are proactive yeah, it's easy it's easy to tell everyone else how to run the world when you live at your parents house and you don't pay any bills and you don't take care of yourself i mean that's what i see i know i know exactly what you're talking about i'll give you my newest example of of things you know how when something goes wrong on it uh and uh a, a young person, is, and I've been known to make excuses for them. Like a 26-year-old did something wrong, right? And you make an excuse and you say, well, you know, he is only 26. You know, he's still a kid, right? On the, on the other hand, <laughs> California just passed a law that 10-year-old children who decide that they are not of the sexual orientation they were born with have to be honored. That has to be honored. No one can question it. That a 10 year old child is responsible enough to decide what their sexual orientation is. And we are all going to honor that. But a 20, but we constantly make excuses for 26 year olds who do dumbass shit, right? That they're not able to decide for themselves it's just madness at this point. I'm embracing the madness though. I'm embracing the madness because you have to choose a, that madness, which I understand because I have compassion and I have understanding of addiction and failure to launch and, and transgender issues and all that. And I'm supportive of all that. So, but it is insane. It's gotten too far out of whack, too fast, too demanding, too Maoist, fascist, can't use this word, can't do that. But I'm embracing that, and Biden is the top of the ticket of that over this other side of madness, which is lying all the time and getting us to question the postal service. The fucking, he's, he, Trump demonizes the postal service. Like the As American as you can get is the postal people service. in the world, and they work hard, and... You know, as soon as he started attacking the Postal Service, I thought of Charles Bukowski. Charles Bukowski was a postal worker for like 10 years, and he wrote a book called Post Office. And it's like, really, you're going to attack the post office? 
Because it fits your, <laughs> your this elections getting stolen from you. Unbelievable. So I'm embracing the insanity of you have to listen to 10-year-olds, but you don't have to, but we make excuses for all 26-year-olds over attacking the post office and the, and the New York Times and the Washington Post and scientists. Freedom of press. Science. Freedom of press. So, so I'm choosing science and journalism and the, and the, and the, and the post office um, over over, you know, 10 year olds should decide all these kinds of important issues that are really uh, very adult issues to decide, right? I, I can't stop thinking about it, that if I was 10 and, and I could do that, then like I should be able to buy beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. You know? But think about the 26 year old that we make excuses for, right? You know, one of the things about well, Elijah, my, my older son, now he is responsible and he drives a truck and he's in a union and he works hard and whatever. But when he was like 19 and then 22 and then 24 and 26 and just living a rap, you know, just a really kind of up and down and all around life, his mother used to always say, he's a difficult young adult, but he's going to be a great 35-year-old. And I said, I don't know if we're going to make it to 35. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the chaos that young people live have lived in this last ten years, pretty crazy. And yeah, I mean, right. that's it's pretty for, it's pretty foreign to me because like I'm 41, right? Um, so it's I'm God, I'm you're older only seven than, years older than my son. How fucked up were you <laughs> ten years ago? Fifteen years ago? Oh my god, Patrick! Yeah. I didn't even realize that. You're only hey, seven I, years I, older than myself. I could be your father, Patrick. Well, were you in Waukesha, <laughs> Wisconsin in 1979? <laughs> I think I was. <laughs> you wouldn't even have known. <laughs> it was that time you disappeared off a tour, Bob. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I did my first. No, hey, I have a question. I have a question about the methadone clinics and stuff like that. I mean, you know, here in California, of course, the addicts go to doctors and they get Suboxone, <laughs> correct? But, well, they, yeah, but, but there's a is new there version still of methadone? Suboxone. There's a new version. Is there still methadone clinics that are yeah, that are yeah? There's still the methadone clinics are still going. Oh, okay. But the but the I, there's a new Suboxone. Have you heard about this, Patrick? The two milligram something, and it lasts longer, and it's better, and it's easier to get off. Or is that just a myth? Have you heard about is this? The injectable in the stomach. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. I've seen it. What, I've seen it. What is like that 100, about? Hundred times. I, I it's like easier it to get off. Why is that? I, well, that just sounds know. like a sales pitch. It's easier to get off because what's the main no. complaint about Suboxone? You can never get off it. So the best marketing tool you could have for a new version of Suboxone is it's easier to get off. Right. So <laughs> I don't sign up for that. What I think a lot of that issue was the you know you can never get off it is it's a lot harder to get off of it when you're taking like 32 milligrams a day, like off the street under no medical supervision. And then all of a yeah. sudden one day you stop like, yeah, of course it's going to be hard to get off. But like the injectable, I liked it because they didn't have to come in as much. There's less diversion. How long does um, it last? How long does it last? One week? Uh, no. Well, things have changed a little bit. I think there's a weak one now, but the one that we were using, you know, four years ago was like 28 days. Um, 
Oh, that's and an implant, right? So like that's once a month, almost like that, the, that was an implant. No, so the implant would last six months. The, the oh, implant you could get in like in, underneath your arm. Yeah. And that was six months, but the injectable was like in the stomach and that would be like 28 days. And I, I thought it worked great. Um, you know, in our small little container of the world, um, just simply because, you know, the lack of diversion, you know, you, you'll never forget to take it. It's already in there. Um, it's a little difficult to plan, you know, if you don't want to take your strip, you know, I want to get high tonight or tomorrow. I just don't take right. my strips. Um, so, I mean, I, there's no, like, there's no hiding the fact that I am pro MAT. Like I work in a place that does it. Right. We use, we use all three forms. So we use methadone, buprenorphine and naloxone, naltrexone, Vivitrol. And it's dependent upon, you know, the stages of change of the individual, where they score on the ASAM. There's a whole criteria. So it's not like just everybody walks through the door, we're going to pump them full of methadone. They're going to have three different options. Um, and like with methadone, it's the most researched drug for chronic disease there is. Like if you Google methadone, you'll see like 2 million scholarly articles. Yeah. Um, it's replacement therapy. I think that's where people get lost. Like you can't, we, we are, the sole purpose of it is to reduce death, right? Uh, and, and replace. Um, and hopefully- Well, initially they, it was in the 50s and 60s, it was too hard for opiate addicts to uh, have that miracle of recovery happen. So, so methadone was counting on the fact that the human, the person that took it, had great fundamentals that if they could get out of the drug life, get out of their circle of drug addict friends, um, that they could lead a productive life. And thousands and thousands did, right? Mm -hmm. This, the America is not what it was in 1955 and 62 and 64 and 68 and 72 when methadone came on and had such success. Right. These are, you know, I, I know lots of people that have been on methadone for decades. They're union members, they're college professors, they're uh, leaders of industry, bankers. Where I stand is I want to keep them alive until they get there. Right. Right. So and I know I hear you. I definitely hear you. I see, I've always seen things to be discouraged about the society and things to be hopeful about the society. Always. Since, this, since I can remember knowing there was a society, right? For some reason, I, I've, I talk to thousands and thousands of people that don't see any hope. And it's gotten me to start feel like there is no hope. It's, it's a strange, so contaminating state of mind. Right. So, Bob, this is what this is where I would I would ask you to therapeuticize me. <laughs> um, so I, I that that's the kind of stuff that goes through my head when I'm driving around. Right. So I'm sober. So like currently right now, um, my this is very exciting. Uh, we're having another baby in January. Oh my god! Right. Yeah. Oh, congratulations! Oh, it's a boy Mark too. Mullet. It's a boy, Mrs. Robin. Uh, it's a boy. <laughs> so I've, I've got a, I got a 12 year old, uh, a soon to be four year old, and then a baby coming. Um, we've got, you know, my, my kids, like all of a sudden, one weird day last March, they were pulled from school and their friends 
and they haven't been able to do anything right like on. that weighs on that weighs on me you know i've got a pregnant wife that i care for and every like different thing scares me and full of fear i've got a job that stresses me out where you know people die daily basis my friends are dying like all of the just like horrible things i know i know and and like i've got I, well, my family listens to our podcast. They don't listen to this one. So I've got family members <laughs> that have tested positive for COVID. Um, you know, my mom's at the end of her life, like all of this stuff, but like, I am okay. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it's because of my recovery, but I mean, is it like, why am I okay with all this, Bob? And somebody else isn't. Well, a, because, well, I'll tell you how I do it. So Sydney, my four-year-old, has become obsessed with cooking. And just to watch her, she goes to her little fake oven and she makes, and she asks me what I want. And I say, steak and eggs. And then she goes and fakes like she's making it. And she brings it to me. I think that's all that life is really about. Human, little human interactions. And we've been tricked into thinking that it's about bigger things. And so what COVID for sure has done, but I think even before that, I started to think, I think Trump and Trumpism has made me think more, more macro, more, more about what my daily life is like. You know what I mean? And I love the people I work with and I love my kids and I love my family and I love where I live. And, and that other thing that's so ugly and all the division and all the hatred and all the things that are unjust and all the words you can't say, that's just like another world. It's not the world I live in, right? And the, and yeah. the death of the kids, here's the thing about death of, of, of the drug, drug overdoses, right? So I always tell this story. So when I got sober, I started helping people get sober and they all got sober. And I was just like this miracle worker, right? Like John Fashante got sober and Anthony got sober and all these people that I was trying to help and Chris Bohm got sober and all, all of my friends that I tried to help got sober. And so then I started thinking like, oh my God. And people started saying, he's a miracle worker. He can talk to anybody. He can, you know, I started to believe it. And then I started working at MAP, right, probably about a year into my, when I was like a year sober or something. And I had two patients die in a month and a half. And I was sitting in my office when I got the second call. And I was crying and I was just like distraught and, you know, I was, but I was not letting on or whatever. I, and Buddy Arnold, this great old junkie guy, came to my office and he goes, hey, uh, I got, I, got some, I got some words of wisdom for you. And I said, what? And he said, um, we don't take credit for the successes, so we don't have to take responsibility for the failures. And he just I walked you, out. I think and you he, told me that. Yeah, and he didn't console me in any way or say, poor Bobby. <laughs> he just said that, <laughs> right? Uh, and I was like, fuck, that's, that's the trick of it, right? Yeah, and I... And you're bound to have more failures than successes in this business for sure. Of course. And I think you've already, I think you told me that one time and I've actually like just flat out stolen it. Kind of like we stole the podcast. It's a great one, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And and it's like when you're, you know, with my staff and it's like when they lose somebody, it's like, listen, 
you know, I'll use an example of like, you know, Timmy Smith, who's doing great and phenomenal. And it's like, is that because of you? And they're like, no, no, no. It's he did all the work. And it's like, well, then you can't, you can't, if you're right. not going to take all the credit for the successes then you can't take all the credit for the, for the, for the losses, you know? Um, and it's and just so tough. that, that it is, it is harder and harder because you know, the sober college out here was this great organization. They closed up not because they were, they weren't financially successful. They closed up because the two owners that, um, that started it couldn't take it anymore so yeah. many kids had died and so mm-hmm. you know i understand like we we're living in the middle of two pandemics and the one is going to have an antidote and a treatment and a vaccine and the one that we deal with is just going to linger on until we die mm. because it's it's complicated like you know, I have a couple of friends that said they relapsed because of COVID and the isolation of COVID. And I was like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I can understand. You got depressed, you isolated, and they, they were mad at me because they said, well, you have kids and you have, you know, a family and I'm just by myself and I just have my own apartment. And I said, well, wait a minute. Okay, let's stop right there. Having kids and having a family is not all it's cracked up to be, as you very well know, Patrick. And Mike Martin knows like like crazy. It's hard work. It's fucking Mm -hmm. hard. It's hard. And most of the friends of mine that didn't do it or didn't want to do it a second time like I did, um, they they were gloating. You know, they were saying, I don't know how you do it. It's fucking crazy. Under your age to have a kid. I I had this friend of mine. in a very famous band, um, when when Chrissy was pregnant, I hadn't seen him in a while, and I said, I'm, I'm having another kid, because he knew about Elvis, right? And he goes, how old are you, Bob? And I, I said, 55, and he goes, 55, and you're having a baby? And and oh, it was man. just really kind of harsh, but, it, but he, he was just expressing what he was thinking off the top of his head. And then he left and I was like, oh, and he said it in front of Evan and Jared. Then he came back and he went, I'm so sorry for what I just said. <laughs> I just like, that's great. I'm happy for you. And I was like, no, his name's Mike. And I said, no, I think it's both. I think it's like, because it, certainly I've considered it having a baby at 50, I was 54, having a baby at 54. Yeah, I've, I thought about it. It's not like, you don't have to feel bad. Like I thought about it. And um, he goes, yeah, but I'm happy for you. Right. But huh. But, uh, you know, it's a crazy, he's relieved. He has two kids and he's relieved. Like his kids are almost grown, almost headed out. And that's like, most people only do it one time. Understand, Patrick, I've been a parent since 1986. Every day (laughs) since 1986. Now, 89, 90, 91, I might not have been a parent, much of a parent, but pretty (laughs) much for, you're talking about, how long is that? 34 years I've been a parent. It's pretty crazy. So my friends will say, oh, you don't understand what it's like to be 50 years old or 60 years old living in an apartment by yourself and you have no friends and you're isolated in COVID and that's why I relapsed. And I said, well, you chose that life. 
You know yeah. what I mean? I, I mean, always I, try to get back to personal responsibility. You chose that life. You were gloating about that life. You were saying, I can't imagine having two little kids. You're fucking crazy, Bob. And then now COVID comes and lockdown and yeah, you got a house full of energy. I can tell you that. Yeah, and that's just, you're just more well-rounded than I am. Cause then I, I would look at it as like, Oh, this is a competition. Okay. You're alone. Uh, is this the day that I bring COVID back into my house with my little kids and my wife that's pregnant? Like that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah you know, it it's is like terrifying. that, that, I mean, cause uh, quote unquote, I'm essential. I mean, I've been in the clinic since. Before. Okay. I'm going to confess something. I'm going to confess something. I'm a bad person. So, so our, our preschool was closed and, and about five of us started talking and said, Hey, there's two doctors, a, a teacher, us. And I forget what the other couple husband and wife do, but we all decided we're going to do preschool without masks and we're going to test every week. And we're not going to tell anybody about it because it's too politically incorrect. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and we've been doing it for like two months. Two weeks ago, we get all these emergency emails. Holy shit, holy shit. One of the kids, there's like eight of them. One of the kids had a fever. They were worried, whatever. COVID. COVID. One of the kids that Sydney plays with every day for four hours had COVID. So we all went and got tested. None of us have it, including the mother that took care of the child thinking she had the flu. None of the kids, none of the adults. How crazy is that, you guys? Now, what my friends, what Dr. Drew said is that's a false positive. The kid had the flu and it tested positive for coronavirus, that that's happening a lot. So then you're just like, well, what the fuck is this? What is going on? How come we can't get accurate testing after nine months? And you know that went and, and, and was a statistic also. It was also counted as, as a statistic. Could it be that, that the testing is, is a little screwed up, let's say? Could it be? Of course it could. But, I mean, I think this just goes back to our, that political party that we're going to start called the Common Sense Party, right? <laughs> so, like... <laughs> So, like, I wouldn't go to, like, a rally with 30, you know, 3,000 people not wearing masks. Like, I'm not going to do that. But am I going to go up the street to the park where there's a couple other kids and they're running around and we're outside? Yeah. Like, we're not going to yeah. shut in. Like, our family's doing things. But, like, I don't get really too consumed with, like, getting into that testing thing because, like, a guy I played rugby with for years who, who was a mountain of a man caught it and was on a ventilator. Luckily he survived. And then like, I got another buddy where his dad got it and was dead within like a week. So like, oh I, I am like terrified of it. And I also don't, I mean, you know, I didn't study epidemiology, but like I, I and my family just try and do a little common sense. We, we, do as much as we can, but we also aren't going to like put our house in a hyperbolic seal. How about um, the, how's, how's your rehab? How do you guys do it there? How, how do you do the people coming in? How do you, do they wear masks? Do they have, yeah, we, an, we wear staff they, wear masks. They, yeah. Everybody's in masks. Uh, we have hourly cleaning. Uh, everyone's in masks. We only allow 
depending on the square footage, either six people in the quote unquote waiting room at a time. Um, we're doing a, like, we'll do telehealth uh, a lot, but in the building, right? So our medical provider will be in one office and the patient will be another and we just set up cameras. So it's telehealth. Like you can hear the person talking in the other room, hopefully just oh, to, wow. to, to prevent it. Yeah. That's crazy. And then we can do like, we can do like curbside dosing, um, but, uh, what you know, about, we're, so, so say people have to come in, you have only six in the waiting room. This is what Fauci was talking about today on the news. So that'll work when it's 55 degrees outside. What about when it's 27 degrees outside? What do you do? Because so people will be waiting outside, right? Are you going to be able to, cause 900 people, I just keep thinking about that number, 900 people, even if you have a third of them having to come in through the week, that's like 50 people a day, 60 people a day. Well, it's more than that. Uh, How so, fucking crazy must that be to keep it safe? I, you guys are angels on earth. How, how, does, the, how does the curbside um, dosing oh, Mike work? Wants it. Do they Mike, drive up in the of car? Of course, Mike wants the easiest way. Just pull up and they give you methadone. Yeah, you just pull up in your car. And, <laughs> so that has you know, to they should have drug. They, yeah. they should have dope dealers, man, that just shoot you up. If you pull up into their house, you know, into their driveway, they just come out and, you know, hit you up or something. Well, it, I, I don't necessarily want to compare it, make to, it easy to a for dope, dope dealer walk, you know, to and shoot them up but um <laughs> well you know my mind is all fucked of course. up so. and i love it mike i love it um that What's has the to be approved dose? is 45 still an average dose or 60 or go up to 90 what's the dosage right around i mean i would say between 40 and, and 60 yeah here when i got on it um the old junkies used to tell me when you were first there like um Keep testing dirty because they'll up your dose. Is that still the case? No, no. And we, <laughs> I just wanted to no. know. I mean, there's for the record, we don't get compensated by how many milligrams we prescribe. Oh, you know, it's the same, it's the same code. It doesn't matter if they get 40 or if they get 400, it's the same billing code. I had, doesn't a, kid, matter. I had a kid so, that was getting 220. Is that the highest you've ever I, heard? That's a lot. I, I've heard higher, but I also don't advocate for a 400 and going back to the common sense thing like there's there's certain people maybe they need a higher dose and there's certain people with a lower dose but it i think i'm blessed in in the organization that i work in is that like they're seeing a medical provider like weekly it's not like every month um we do peak and troughs right so we're going to draw blood and see when they're at their peak and then when they when they're at their trough because i don't know if you're aware of this bob but People with a substance use disorder might exaggerate symptoms. Oh, uh, right. I, I heard that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sure. Well, my favorite thing to do was go to the methadone clinic, get there early, get my dose so I'm not sick, and then hopefully I got 10 or $12, get, get a good rock, smoke it on top as the methadone's <laughs> hitting me, and then start my day. And it's like 10 a.m. You got to figure out what you're going to do. So I, we are an opiate treatment center, opiates, right? We are, we are, we, we are not an abstinent-based uh, center. The idea is to reduce the volume of opiates that a person is ingesting. And if we can reduce that volume, uh, there's less likelihood to die. But doesn't economics, doesn't economics say how much they're going to ingest? I mean, seriously. 
most of these kids don't go to pot to piss in. They're sleeping in their cars. How much opiates can they consume uh, illicitly? And their parents are paying for the Suboxone <laughs> and letting them live at home. No, because uh, because that that became a problem with fentanyl. Fentanyl so cheap. It's, you know, opiate. But real heroin still costs about the same, doesn't it? Before Prohibition, most people drank beer and wine, right? And then we had Prohibition, and what happened? We got moonshine. Why? To right. smuggle it. So I right. need to move as the highest volume of, of, the, of the alcohol I can alcohol in the smallest can, yeah. container. It's no different than that right now. That's with, what fentanyl with is? fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and, and so, it's so are you seeing people saying their drug of choice is fentanyl now consistently? I have it not very often. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that it hasn't. Is it kind of fading away? A little bit. A little bit. I'm seeing more and more people just on straight heroin or whatever. They're doing heroin. Really? Yeah. Heroin. That's encouraging. It's encouraging. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is encouraging. I have a question. Now, now if, you, if, you're, if you're really strung out on fentanyl and it's so much more powerful, is it take more methadone? Are people taking more methadone to get off of the higher dosage of fentanyl? Good question, Mike. Um, this is where I say I'm not a doctor, but um, it's they're not shooting, you know, pure straight fentanyl. Um, the the withdrawals are going to be the same comparatively, right? Wow. So 45 milligrams yeah. of methadone is a lot. It gets you if you're if you're on a clean system. So my first time I ever did methadone was with a great famous punk rock, the guy who invented punk rock jazz. His name was James White. Also, James Chance. He had a band called The Contortions. It's the first person that gave me methadone, and he he was playing a little bit in Thorny's Monster, and he was playing around Hollywood, and he lived in this motel on Island near the Hollywood Bowl, and he, I would go by and see him because I just loved his band. I mean, I just loved it. He was so great, and um, and he was down and out and kind of scrounging around and. Uh, and he, Ornette Coleman was playing at the Palace, Mike, on Vine oh, Street. Yeah. And I said, yeah. you know, James, I got tickets. We can go to, we can go to see Ornette Coleman if you want to go. And, and he said, oh, yeah. And so I pick him up, and he, he had his take-home doses. And he, he said, here, I'm going to, as a thank you for getting him into the, to go to the concert to see Ornette Coleman, he gave me half of his little plastic bottle of orange whatever yeah. it was like only an inch patrick an inch in a tiny little round plastic you know vial Except, right yeah. yeah yeah i was so wasted by the time we got to the concert i couldn't i just sat on this chair and had my head down on the table i was so high <laughs> And so I, I cannot believe that I, this is a story after knowing you all these years and hearing most of your stories. This is a story I've never heard about you and James White. James plays on the first Thelonious Monster album. You didn't know that? I did not. <laughs> oh, hey, speaking, speaking. Is he listed just James White? Yes. He plays on like three uh, songs. And so in one, on one, I thought it was tree. No, it's tree flea and James white. And it says, oh, it says okay. James white in one, on one song. It seems, and says James chance on another song. Uh, okay. Right. Speaking of hey, James I, white and the contortions were amazing. 
I watched that. I watched the the live broadcast. I think Mike, you engineered it, and and Bob. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Bicycle yeah, thief. Yeah, the, the bicycle thief. It was Dude, amazing. Was, it was very good. It was fucking dope. It was so Elvis great. Was Elvis was great. We didn't even plan that. He he rocked it right in the beginning. Yeah, and I couldn't figure out was that that was outside, right? Yeah, it's outside. That's outside. at Aloe. The lighting was it was like professional. The natural like light as it as it like the sun went down. I think or whatever was just yeah, it was, it was cool, it was right? Really that was cool. The, it was that perfect. Was and me and the videographer were worried that it was going to be too dark and everything, but it just turned out perfect. Well, that was because the Ventura fires that were lighting the sky, up, <laughs> right? There was a bunch of fires, a bunch of smoke in there. That's the yeah. beauty of Southern California. We have two fires going right now near my house. One in Chino Hills, one in Irvine. Hey, Mike, your kids live in Irvine. My kids are okay. Yeah, okay, they didn't get evacuated. Yeah, they, um, they, 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 the school got called off. That almost went their way, but it steered away and went south. So, but it was very close. Wow. So we have fires out here, Patrick. What do you guys got? Nothing. Nothing that's dramatic as that. The lake freezes over. Uh, COVID. Um, <laughs> Uh, a oh, we got that. One hundred and twenty percent increase in overdose deaths. Uh, <laughs> oh, we got that too. Um, it's nothing like sitting in your house and not knowing <laughs> if, if it's going to exist in another four hours. That, like that okay, that's a, that happened that's a valid to us point. a couple months ago. The fire, the famous, the fire that burned for fucking a month was about ten miles away from us, and it, it started to head this way and then it went up over uh, over the other way but we were gonna have to evacuate ashes were coming down all over the cars and you know i have ocd and the at our cars were covered with ashes and i had to go to the car wash and wash them in the drive-through car wash and i brought it back and then the ashes would fall on it again <laughs> it was like driving me insane like these ashes have to stop falling God damn, I can't control these ashes. The ashes are coming everywhere. I would say, yeah, the only thing we got is like, there's certain times of the year that if you stand outside for more than 30 minutes, you can die. Oh, 10, de shit, 10 degrees, really? 15 degrees. 10 degrees. It can be like, there was. We, we, there's a thing called the polar vortex where this, these winds come down from, from the North Pole. I mean, there was, there's times where it's 40, 50 below zero. So if anybody goes to like when I came to Milwaukee, it was so beautiful and the weather's so beautiful. I'm like, oh, I could live here. And then you guys are like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. In about yeah, two months, like it's going to be uninhabitable. How did people live like 150 years ago in Milwaukee? Like, how did they even live? What did they do for four months? Like, and drank a lot, probably. <laughs> There's, I mean, we got Miller, Paps, Slits. <laughs> Like that, it's a staple here. I mean, literally, like an OWI, your first OWI is a municipal violation. It's a parking <laughs> ticket. <laughs> it's a parking ticket. It is. I'm dead serious. And and like the commonplace, the thing to say is like, well, everybody gets one. Like with like no pause whatsoever. Well, yeah, you know why that one. is because it's too cold to walk home. That See, is in California, true. we can walk home. Yeah, and if you're walking home in winter and you fall down in a snowbank, you're dead. From my my whole philosophy of never drive to the bar that you're planning on getting drunk in that saved me from being in prison like Mike Mart, who got five of them, I believe. 
five. I got four. Four. And then I started shooting heroin <laughs> because I thought, well, you know, they don't even know that you're even on heroin if you I should. That was his DUI solution, Patrick. There you go. We all it had sense coping to me. skills. Those are all yeah. coping skills. Coping skills. Well, something <laughs> came up. Something came up in relation to the RV, guys. I don't know if you know. So all of a sudden, it was like 80 degrees or 90 degrees or 100 degrees for like five years. And then all of a sudden, Patrick, it's become really cold here. Really cold here is like in yeah. the high, four, high 40s, low 50s. I still so got then shorts I started, on. So then I had this epiphany one night when it was cold in, in the house. I was like, I wonder if the heat in the RV works. So I went out there at like 12 o'clock at night, fired that fucker up, found out where the temperature thing is by the back bed, turned it on, and I kept hearing this clicking, clicking. Uh, the, the, the pilot or whatever, right? And so I went and I went all around. I had flashlights and it was freezing, but I was determined to figure out how to do this uh, heat thing. And the the heater in the thing is is no good i got to get a new heater or i just got to have uh -oh. the heat coming from the from the truck no heat in or the you, uh. or, or or it's your summer rv <laughs> <laughs> well it's summer out here 10 and a half months a year so i'll be good i do not think the forest rv will be going to wisconsin <laughs> not unless somebody figures out how to make that thing go stop going click 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 and turn on and go Hey, just so you know, the thing costs five grand. I've now spent over, it's, a, it's, it's like 10400 now. We still haven't gone anywhere. It's just parked right here. <laughs> you can see it out the way. Okay, so I, Bob, I have a specific message for you from King Wendy on Instagram. Oh, it, yeah. says, uh, it says, uh, could you please tell uh, Bob not to forget to, if you have a gas propane, you need to buy a CO2 detector. They may not have it in use and you should get one with a smoke detector because they need replacing every 10 years. Anyways, if the pilot light went out during the night, uh, it's tragic. You, you can die. Yeah. Sending the advice. Oh, you know what? Maybe, yeah, the, so maybe the gas is not going to the heater. Maybe there's some valve that you turn on to make the gas go to the heater. I got to look through the brochure again. I call it a brochure. Or some people, some people call it uh, whatever. What do you call it? The thing that how how the thing works. Direction. Instruction manual. Yeah, and the instruction manual. Oh, yeah. I call it the brochure. If you're calling an instruction manual a brochure, I don't <laughs> think you should be the one working on the heating in your RV. That your family's gonna sleep in. You might want to go take I gotta a start, professional. I got to start. I'm I'm over ten grand now. This is ridiculous. We have still haven't even gone anywhere. When it was five grand, and then it was like eight hundred bucks <laughs> to fix the air conditioner, and it was like when it was like sixty five hundred. I was like, shit, this is just like ten, you know, ten trips, you know, staying in a hotel, right? Now it's like twenty trips. Soon it's gonna be like thirty trips. We still haven't even gone on one. Elvis wanted to go to Joshua Tree. You could have rented an RV five times over that was a luxury RV and gone on. Oh, don't tell me. Like, but I'm sure. Know. I'm sure it's. A, I'm sure it's a really good return on your investment. Like, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll get all that money back. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I will have a rationale for why buying an RV, an old RV, and fixing it up was good. Because even if we go four times, that'd be. Five grand, uh, that'd be 2,500 thing. I can just say, well, that's like staying at the Four Seasons for a weekend. 
I'll find right. a and way exactly. to justify the yeah. RV financially. The best Airbnb. You could have rented the best Airbnb <laughs> for a month. And, and Bob, you're not investing in an RV. You're investing in the memories of your children. They, they won't remember the RV. They'll remember the time they all went to the Grand Canyon. Now, is that By, worth 15 grand? That's, that memories are worth it, though. Though, let me tell you, I was at AAA, the automobile club, uh, registering my other car. And they had all the, you know, short trips in California and the Southwest books. I bought $114 worth of camping books to figure out where we're going to go for one night. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I'm just an idiot. Oh, my God. I'm just an idiot. And I was looking at it like, oh, that's too far. One was down by the by the Colorado River. I was like, ah, I don't know if it'll make it to the Colorado River. I don't know why you I don't know why you just don't go up and down the PCH. When I rode my bicycle across the country, I rode right. down I rode down the PCH to from like Astoria, Oregon down to San Francisco. I would right. give not my child, but I would give a lot of things just to do that, go back and forth up and down the PCH. I see it all the time. People park their big fancy RV PCH and they stay there for the weekend. Dude, there's cars <laughs> flying by like 60, 70 miles an hour. Like I, could, I would be nervous. Somebody's going to crash into me. I got hit by an RV. You, wait a minute, Patrick. You got hit? I, got, <laughs> I was on the PCH. I got, I got clipped by an RV. Like, Because it's all like, you know older people that maybe just bought one and, and they don't know <laughs> no, how to drive it. Did you just show age discrimination? I got clipped by uh, the mirror of an RV coming down the PCH and they put me, uh, they put me off the side of the road. Didn't, it wasn't bad. I didn't get really injured, <laughs> but <laughs> wow. the person that was, person that was driving it stopped and they were old. So my one experience of getting hit by an RV was by someone that was of the older Demographic. Elvis wanted to go to Joshua Tree last Saturday, just overnight, just a, a, a daddy Elvis trip. And I was like, because the heater doesn't, I don't know, and Joshua Tree's pretty cold. I said, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we just sleep in it out in the, out in the driveway? And he looked at me like, are you fucking an idiot? Uh, so, so I'm going to try it on Sid. Sid, we're going to sleep in the RV right where it is in the yard. It's going to be like camping. <laughs> Sure, she was into just it. Don't use, just don't use the stove. <laughs> no, I don't use the stove. I use the microwave. The microwave's electric. The refrigerator, the refrigerator works. So I'm fine as long as I have seltzer water and fruit. I'm good. All right, Patrick. All right. Uh, we love Milwaukee. We love Wisconsin. Even if you don't yeah, come. Yeah, congratulations through. on opening that place too, man. Mike, I appreciate the, the congratulations on the opening a new uh, drug treatment center. Uh, what about my kid? Do I, can I get a Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. You got to get that in. Oh, and um, I. Well, guys have very little to do with. I'm not into this new metropolitan attitude. Guys do nothing when it comes to having a baby. It's all her. So it's all the women. Yeah, yeah. God bless your wife. Yeah. You just have to. Keep you know, can I ask you guys something? This is this surprised me when I had my first child. Was that no? Everybody talked about how great it is having a kid. I don't know how wonderful it is. Do you see the life coming in? But nobody told me how I would feel about my wife and how wonderful I would just thought she was. I thought she was the like at that moment. After birth, I just was like in awe of her. 
Right. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Because it was so amazing. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you just went through that. It is. How can you do that? It is. uh, Everything changed. Amazing. It's otherworldly, that event. But guys don't usually talk about that. It was, yeah. yeah, I would have hoped everything changed. I thought I loved my wife before she gave birth. The new politically correct thing when, when Elvis was even born was we're having a baby. We're having a baby. Like, no, a baby's coming out of her and, and it's all her and she gets all the credit and all the reward and all the whatever. The guy just has to hang on and be supportive. Right. And Patrick, you were going to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought I loved my wife before she gave birth. Uh, but it's, it's, it was, I can't, I can only explain it to guys that know what I'm talking about. It, it was night and day after that moment. It was completely different. Yep. Yep. And do you think, let's just throw this out there, if, and this is an old Lenny Bruce joke, do you think there would be so many children if babies came out of penises? No. I don't think there would be. <laughs> I think men are the inferior sex. I have a question on that note. If The gay men call that a, a bussy, by the way. <laughs> oh, you guys listening to Joe, Joe and Amy's like podcast. A bull, yeah, yeah a boy, <laughs> boy, pussy is a bussy. Mike and I are the same. We're the thinkers. We're the, we're, it's you and Ryan. Chuck, Chuck is Kevin. You're Ryan. And Mike and me are the same. This is, this is the it. way it is. We just, copy, just, we just copied everything. I'm, I'm stuck with the two common sense guys. I'm stuck with the two common sense guys tonight. But, you know, even in the bands, Patrick, like, like I'm a guitar player for a reason. I'm not a front man. You know what I mean? Like, like you got to yeah. have a Bob in your band well, and you got to have a guy <laughs> like me in the band who doesn't talk much. But Mike, you were really stage. out of it a lot. You, the time that I said somebody should, uh, did, when when I said something really wrong and bad about the pre- what somebody should do to the president, yeah. Chris Hansen yeah. in, in the dressing room afterwards said, "Bob, you can't say that." And I said, "I just did." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. he was right. You can't say that, right? Mm-hmm. You can't say that. And I just thought it was all. Fine. You weren't even conscious. I think you were <laughs> off in the corner. All did, right. Did, okay. It was in Washington, D.C. when I said that. you got to say yeah, it I in remember. the capital of the United States, right, Patrick? If you're going to say something. I was going to say that there's, there's no better place to say that than, than Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> well, I paid the price. All right, man. We'll see you later. All right. See you guys. Don't Everybody guys. say dumb. See you later, man. Don't die. Don't die. Chuck. Don't die, Patrick. Don't die. Bye-bye. Next week, Chuck. I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me.